I had a great chat with Corey Miller. He really opens up about what people don't tell you about being acquired, which is that once your business is gone, you kind of have to figure out something else to do, and that can be really difficult. So he shares his struggles with that, and he has some advice for other entrepreneurs looking to maybe get acquired someday, and how you can set up your business so that it's ready for that. And his advice is even if you don't feel like you want to sell, it might be a good idea to just kind of entertain the idea, talk to some people, and at least make your business ready to be sold, which just makes it a better business in general. Here is the interview with Corey. Today, I'm excited to have Corey Miller with me. Corey is formerly of iThemes. If iThemes was acquired by Liquid Web not too long ago, and I'm interested to talk to him about all things acquisition. Corey, how are you feeling today? <laughs> That's a great question. How am I feeling today? Yep. In the see January 2008 when I sold the business. So what an appropriate question, Scott. I uh, I am feeling a heck of a lot better than I have uh, earlier this year, and mainly because I feel more clear about what I'm doing professionally. So good. I'm doing great. <laughs> good. What has cleared up for you? So you know when when I little backstory a long way to answer your question. Um, when I s sold the business and everything, I felt like it was the right time and place to do so. Uh, but as you know, I didn't really have a backup plan career wise, professionally. And I say career, I'm an entrepreneur. I always want to be an entrepreneur. Um, but I didn't have a backup, let's say business and um, business idea or anything I was working on that I could just instantly step off to. I know you do real estate. Um, you know, it's kind of a, not, not necessarily a hobby. I know you do it for profit, but uh, you know, I really didn't have something on the, in the wings for me professionally. So I've had to really reboot, you know, mindset and where I'm at in life and ideas. And so I, it's been a journey of figuring out what's next for me professionally. Um, but every day it feels like I see, I guess I'm like 10 months into this, uh, having left the company that I founded and started, uh, that was sold to liquid web um, in January of this year. And I think every day it feels clear. It's not been an easy path to go on, but uh, I, I just feel like some of the, the, the path that I started on, you know, has cleared up about what I'm doing. And I feel like, I guess it's emotion. I feel like I'm closer now and clear that something's going to happen that I'm going to figure that next phase out for myself. Yeah. Do you feel a, a sense of urgency about that or is it more just like you just feel restless and you feel like you should be doing something or is it like, Oh man, I like the money's going to run out and I got to pay the bills. Like what, what is your impetus for, for this? It definitely urgency. And I think it has probably more to do with impatience than anything, but there is a financial financial aspect that we set aside money for a runway to figure it out. And I don't really like burning runway money, yeah. but I know the balance is I know how hard it is to get a business off the ground or find one. I mean, I was 33, 34 when I started iThemes. And so like I had had a pretty good career at that point working for other people and then, you know, found uh, the path that would eventually turn into iThemes and rode that for a very long time. So uh, yeah, it's, it's impatience personally. Uh, I don't like the uncertainty of it, even though that's kind of the theme of our lives as entrepreneurs. Most times is uncertainty, like going into the darkness and 
shining the light and, and blazing a path. And man, I'm mixing all kinds of metaphors here, but, uh, <laughs> uh, but impatience, uh, yes, there is that insecurity and doubt that creeps up about why haven't I found it? Am I ever going to find it? Um, and then it's just not fun to burn, run runway, you know, yeah. money. Yeah. Yeah, it's. I was actually talking with uh, my friend Matt about this, and we were talking about you actually, and we were kind of like um, that that year, that first year after the acquisition. I would think that that goes by real quick, and uh, while you're work, looking for things, because I know how hard it is to find something to start that actually works, and like a year is nothing. It's no time in in the scale of like getting a business that's really going somewhere so that, I, I would think that's hard mentally oh totally i would think scott i would have that belief and say it confidently like five years from now <laughs> right <laughs> yeah but this year has felt i don't know if there's a speed to it necessarily but it's felt like a grind of you know just expecting that things would go quicker and faster uh you know um in the sense of like i would find that next thing and so I found myself so many times sitting here in this office and it, cause I now I'd have an office outside of my home and, uh, just going, you know, feel like I'm just beating my head against the desk and then trying to power through and not going, you know what? I probably need to step away. I have, I have friends, very good friends, particularly in Oklahoma city who have had exits previously. Uh, one of them had several exits in his career so far. And they all told me like, take a year off. Like you got to get headspace, you got to get distance and perspective from everything. And I was like, I totally know that. I totally know I should do that. But there's this, we didn't, we didn't make, you know, sitting on the beach type money, you know, mm-hmm. um, I want to work. I have a desire to keep working. Uh, and then I need to keep working. And so I was like, man, I, I probably could take a year off financially, honestly, but I didn't want to. <laughs> So I know that probably would have been healthy for me, honestly, to get that headspace. You know, uh, I have a really good friend, Sam Hodgkiss, you know, and he was like, man, just, just go. He, he, he worked like a couple months on his farm and he was like, you just need to do something that is away from a keyboard. And I'm like, oh my gosh, how do I do that? And I go, Sam is right. I know he's right. And then I ended up what sitting here on the desk in front of a keyboard. Yep. And I can't think of anything that is worse for like figuring out new things than sitting at a desk in front of a computer. Cause it's just, Oh man. I mean, now that I'm traveling, especially I'm getting a lot of just perspective on things and being away from that a lot. And man, it just makes me remember sitting at my desk some days trying to think of something new for whatever. And it just, it, it just doesn't happen there. It's not the place where your mind is allowed to to wander and figure out new things. And there's also just the, the aspect of time. Like sometimes it, it just takes a year for you to like see somebody start talking about a subject and you're like, Oh, I'm, I'm that maybe that might be the direction. And then you do that like 10 or 20 times until you find something. And that could take a, a span of years until everything lines up, right? The people that are around you, the ideas floating around all, all that kind of stuff. It's kind of, a, it's kind of a tough spot to be. Sherry, Sherry Walling, you know, I talked to her as in founder um, and she's a dear friend and she kind of said, you know, I was talking about like this whole scenario and we talked about the concept of sabbatical where like, it's not that you just go do nothing, but you have something to do, you know, kind of a routine. 
I've, you know, it's funny, Scott. I, f- I feel like I've, my stepdad, my dad, and my mom are now all retired. And um, I've seen my, my stepdad's older, and so he's been retired for probably 10 years now. And I really feel like I, I'm scared of that scenario of just not having something um, that I'm doing every day. Like, what I see in them is the lack of, I mean, it's kind of like muscle memory to go to work and be at work around 8.30 for me. 30 to 5:30, uh, and and be at a desk and do work. I feel fulfilled at doing, and I see them, and I know my dad particularly has struggled where he's gone back to work uh, several times, yeah. burned himself out physically, and went back to work. You know, rested, went back to work. He just, and it was that lack of like some sense of purpose. And what I told Sam and Sherry too was like, I don't like to garden, like I don't like to farm. Right. I. I tell people, if you ask me to fix something, I'm going to break it worse. Uh, so like, I really didn't have a hobby. And that was part of that. I know you and I have talked specifically. The backup plan is one is identity. Um, you know, if I'm not CEO, founder of iThemes, who am I? I put a lot of stock into that um, because it was part of the routine in my life. You know, what I did that fulfilled me. And then overnight, almost, I didn't have that. And I didn't have a stepping up point back up to uh, having a hobby, like something that fulfills you. Um, I know you got your kids and we were talking about that. Now in the season life too, I've gotten like, I've pushed up the identity of dad a lot higher, you know, as, as far as thinking about what fulfills me from a day-to-day standpoint of, I don't want to say that I love my children. I'm so glad I'm a dad, but like, the aspect of going, okay, this is what's I'm going to drive my, my most value when I don't have maybe a bigger, you know, bar sitting over here that's called work. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I feel like as, um, as, as men, I think, especially we, we need that like respect, like that's what, you know, women need love, men need respect. And I feel like we derive that a lot from the things that we're doing and, and it's great. Like family should always be number one, but there's that kind of piece of you that always needs something there that you're working on, that you're learning, that you can derive that sense of, you know, community and respect from. Um, so, so you said you have some more clarity about that now. Um, is that a certain thing? I mean, I know you're doing leader.team. Is that where the clarity is coming from? It's actually clarity from a couple of things. Um, so I tell people now, like I'm spinning a couple of plates and I know that not everything is going to work out, like, but I need for my own interest and drive and focus, like a couple of things that are kind of spinning. So leader.team for sure with my partner, Jeff, and um, starting up small groups for leaders. I've got now five small groups of peer leaders meeting every month. And man, it's such, so awesome. That's a longer build because it's sharing with people like how, what, connecting the dots it's part of leadership development and those groups. It's just, it's, it's a kind of a newer concept of having peer leaders meet and that, you know how it is ramping up community and audience and all that to say, and then connect them dots to go, okay, get your small, your key leaders into groups and, and we'll lead those facilitate those. Uh, then uh, I've got a new project starting up in, in the next month with my good friend, Rebecca Gill called digital and we're working on a course and a community there for that, sharing her expertise as SEO expert. And then what I've kind of the undergirding of what I did at iThemes, which is content and email that focus on um, content and email over 10 years. And then the third is a very experimental plate, which is in mental health. And 
uh, through a couple of friends have been connected to addiction treatment centers and I've visited two so far and you know my passion about mental health, particularly with entrepreneurs and uh, self-care and things like that. Uh, it was a path I didn't expect to go on ever. In fact, when it was posed to me, you should go visit some treatment centers. I was like, whoa, okay, <laughs> I'll do that. Uh, and it's just, man, I can feel my blood pumping in my veins when I'm in those conversations. Uh, we just got back from Nashville visiting a place called Integrative Life Center, and I love how they do treatment. Um, so that's my experimental phase, and those are the three plates I'm kind of uh, spinning, uh, and I'm passionate about all three, and I'm like, you know what? We diversified at iThemes, and people go, why don't you just focus on one thing? I go, because that's not how I'm wired. So I'm totally comfortable with that. And my dad, who spent his, his life working for other people, um, you know, says, how's it going? He doesn't understand all of that nuance, but I can tell you, I'm spinning these three plates and probably oh, yeah. you know, we might have differing philosophies, but you go, okay, that's part of the entrepreneurial path. <laughs> it doesn't really uh, job well when my dad's like, are you making what you need to be making right now? Yeah. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a tough one. I, I do that too. I, I spin a lot of plates and um, when I find myself only spinning one plate, it's like that's really what you're supposed to be doing and you're focusing and that's the best thing. But I find myself just feeling bored and burnt out and um, it helps me to stay motivated about working at all by just having little side projects, little things going on all the time. So I've kind of, at least right now, I'm kind of like, I'm just gonna let myself spin these plates because it's keeping me excited about doing interesting new things and yep. if I didn't I probably would just be like you know every morning I'm doing the same thing I'm growing this business that's great but um, I don't like it you know it was year five at iThemes around that time and I went to Matt Danner who's my right hand sidekick awesome guy now running the team at iThemes but uh, and I was like man I'm, I'm kind of bored he can tell he's <laughs> like fancy bored disinterested and uh what there was this path that I had seen other friends take, which was leave the business. And then I saw them spin out kind of like I've done in the past probably year at some point. Um, and then the other was, okay, the, do new things within the business. And so that carried us the next five years plus and helped us, you know, be positioned in a good position to, um, you know, have an exit. Mm -hmm. And so we started a couple of projects. Now we started like three and we go same thing. You know, one of these might hit big time and, but a good chance is most of them will fail, but I want to try. And that helped give me energy and focus and enthusiasm about the business. Um, so, so I love, for instance, your podcast and your site that you're doing here. Cause I think again, when your business is good, that core business is good. You don't want to mess too much with it, but then keeping us focused and interested in the business, I think it's a big deal. It's, yeah. a, it's a priority we need. Because when we take that, when our passion wanes, I've seen it, we set the we set the pace for our team, our customers even. I think they feel that. Somehow they feel that, oh, Scott's not checked in. Corey's not focused. Um, I think they can all feel that, and it has a bad you know effect. So we need to keep that energy and passion up. Yep, I totally agree. And the, you mentioned this podcast and this site. The reason why I started this was because of a conversation I had with you where you were like, uh, you know, I sold iThemes and iThemes where I put all my time and energy and 
that was where my email list was and everything. And now I have to like start from scratch. And, and so you kind of were like, you should build your platform separate from your product. And that's one of the concepts that I was kind of like, Oh man, I, I need like an, an outlet. That's just mine. That's kind of on the side that I just kind of do. And, um, and that's why I started. So yeah, thanks for, thanks for that. Dude, I love it. And I love uh, learners like you and listeners too. Uh, you're like, the question you asked was, tell me about all your mistakes, I think. And I was like, yeah, <laughs> mistakes. And what I love though, and I've just seen um, recently, Scott is like, you've, you've kind of stumbled on this project that pairs a lot of your experience um, and, and maybe even your business too with a new, like this podcast has maybe helped you, I don't know, whatever your journey was, you found something, I'm, I'm trying to think of the name I just it's, saw. Yeah, Static Fuse. So like, see, I love that. That's how things get birthed. Like, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? When you kind of follow that interest and then you're, you're modeling something for me now, which is like you dove in because you just wanted to do it. Like somehow this was interesting to you to have these conversations and you did it. And then out of that, serendipitously i think you found something that who knows what it's going to be in the future but to yeah. me looking outside in is going man scott's found something that might be like that next that next thing yeah i i agree it is totally from doing this podcast talking to people uh it, learning about new concepts and technologies and things that i wasn't real privy to and then and then just being excited about them going down that path and yeah, this, this new thing is, I mean, it might end up just being a complete dud, but for me, it's a, it's a win because I'm learning and I'm doing new stuff that I'm excited about. And it's kind of reigniting my passion, um, about just, you know, building, building stuff on the web. So yeah. that takes all the boxes, you know, everything you're saying. And, yeah. I, and I, I love that. You know, the other thing too, for me, and I want to see if this is kind of your experience, but talking to people, it like, I, I kind of have tried to self-claim like I'm this introvert person, but I know talking to good people um, opens up these, I mean, one, it's building relationships and, but others just opens up my mind broader. And that's kind of like this mental health with addiction treatment stuff is like, I, I didn't intend to go there, but it has that path. I'm going to keep going down it and seeing where it goes. Cause I'm just meeting really good people, which I think are part of the characteristics of, finding the serendipitous, lucky, uh, meets opportunity, meets ready, meets hard work uh, kind of road, you know? Mm -hmm. I, I don't know. And see, you have a really interesting thing, too, we are talking before you started the recording, which was you're on this road trip with your family, and you're like, it's perspective. And I'm like, oh, man, every time I've traveled, every time, you know, we spent a month in Portugal, we spent two weeks in Cape Cod, where you're kind of close to right now. And just that perspective, like, changed so much. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it gets you out of your routine. And then you start to see things. And you're in different places. You're seeing lots of different things. It's expanding. I don't, I don't know what it is that causes it. But it, it makes me look at almost everything in my life. Like, the, everything. Like, the way I live, my core beliefs. Like, everything from this other perspective. Like, almost outside. And yeah. it's been really, really interesting to say the least. I, and I'm trying to figure out where I've read this, but it's talking about when you go into a new culture and, and I know you're in the United States, but you're still, you went from West coast to East coast currently, you know, and you traveled across the United States. Yeah, 9,000 miles right now. Oh man. <laughs> and it's like, you're out of your routine, out of your comfort, out of the stuff that you automatically like, I can right now just probably 
be thinking about something else and put it on autopilot and get to my kid's school, you know, get home without kind of thinking, Oh, that's exit five or, you know, and, uh, but when you're in a new, you're having to go like, Oh, what is all this? You know, this is all brand new. And I think that's that shock you out of your system kind of thing. Yeah. And part of why, like uh, I've been thinking lately, you know, a couple of years ago, I, I was a part of this kind of coaching program where, uh, every quarter I would leave for two days and go to Chicago for this coaching thing. And the content was great and everything, but it was getting me out, kind of putting my life on airplane mode and where I got some perspective, like it was fresh air, it was perspective. It was being able to kind of go, man, is this what I want? You know, um, it, where, where could the business go? And, and kind of just stepping out of your environment for a second, which I think you're doing on a like magnitude level. <laughs> Yeah, I, I think it's like going to conferences or traveling, even short trips, it, it does give you that perspective, but travel, then you quickly go back to your routine. That's the problem for me. And then you all those thoughts kind of just disappear amongst emails and work and stuff and taking kids to school and whatever. But with this extended period, period of travel for me is I have not been in my routine for a long time, which is bad in some ways, like diet and exercise is not as good as it, it was before and things like that. But in, in other ways, it's been really eye opening. Um, but I don't want to make this about me. Um, I, no, the, <laughs> um, so one of the reasons why I want to talk to you today, so you had a couple of tweets. Um, one was, you interviewed a guy named Mike, and Mike. um yep yeah. he has a he has a five million dollar fund for acquiring WordPress businesses. Yep. And then you also are working on some materials about how to get your business ready to be acquired. Um and I feel like those are pretty interrelated. Um totally. Yeah, I, I'm not sure where to start, but let's yeah. talk about getting your business ready to be acquired and the fact that there's money out there for specifically for WordPress businesses, but also there's bigger, like I listened to Rob Walling's podcast, you know, there's tiny seed, there's lots of, there's mm -hmm. these angel investors, there's things like that. There's lots of money out there. If you want to go down this path, where should we, where should you start? So I, I think just the conversation we had is a, is the perfect intro to even start the discussion because thinking about what you want as an entrepreneur, I believe the businesses should be purposeful. We should care for people and clients and do good work. But ultimately, at the end of the day, the business should be designed to support your goals, hopes, and dreams. And so it starts with the entrepreneurs. What do you want to do? Sometimes I talk to entrepreneurs that are burnt out and they're thinking, I just want a parachute, man. I'm, I'm ready to go. And I'm like, let's pump the brakes on that a little bit because um, you don't want to be in that situation when you're talking about a sell because you're not going to make good moves. Um, so first and foremost is I think part of that is perspective and saying, like, are you passionate about the business? Is there things you could do to get perspective? Like, I don't know, road trip across the country, <laughs> follow Scott's lead here. Um, not to say that was you, but I'm saying, you know, getting perspective and just saying, well, hold on a minute, don't make rash decisions kind of thing. Um, but what do you really want? Is it time? You know, in my reflection, it was time. It was, it was time for the business. I felt very compelled. It was market wise. It was changing. Um, and the second was really, I think if I'm being honest, I needed some, I needed a change. Um, and so, uh, so that, that's the first start, but the, uh, other is, um, I think learning from my mistakes, uh, or things I didn't do as well in reflection, 
Um, one is to be on the offense. That's the biggest, one of the biggest takeaways besides making sure you know what you really want to do. Um, the, the, probably the second would be being on offense versus defense. I felt very much like I was playing catch up when it was like, okay, it's time to sell. And then we had the, started having the conversations around acquisition. I felt like catch up. So, you know, being prepared and that's like just understanding that being proactive about having the conversation. So you mentioned a couple of things like tiny seeds or um, web ventures or, uh, you know, Syed's got it. Syed, it's got a uh, accelerator uh, and those type of things, but just, I would not be uh, put blinders on about or, or block out that you never know who could be interested in, in the acquisition of your business. Um, strategically, some business that doesn't even make sense could. I've, I've seen them where it's like, I had no idea a check writing company would want to buy a shared hosting division. Um, those type of things. Like, mm -hmm. you know, you never know until you kind of do that. And being proactive and having conversations helps you just like your career. For people that have been long time in their career and at one job at one place, I say sometimes it's good to go like just have an interview, you know, just get out there and see what the market says and have some practice at it. Um, and there's some, you know, my friend Josh, I feel like is probably uh, Josh from Pagely, um, you know, set a good example. He swims in some of those worlds where he knows VCs, private equity. Um, he has conversations with people, at least I've, I've seen him, you know, have conversations, nothing serious. Like he's got a great business, but at least having the contacts with people in the field. And, and by the way, when there's this guilt factor, Oh, I don't know if I should sell the business. I don't know about the team. What would the team think of it? The way I think of it is a healthy sellable business is a great business for an entrepreneur. The process, even though it was painful at times to go through the acquisition was really good for us because we saw things we would have never seen about the business that would have made the business better. We're like, Whoa, ah. it just forces us to take a, look at the business and the temperature and then make some proactive decisions around that. So a sellable business is a better business for the entrepreneur. Like the, the exercise of even getting your business ready is just parallel to building a healthy, awesome, stable business. Um, so when you think about it, like, okay, if I was hit by a bus, who would, would the show run on? Well, that's a, that's a great exercise to think about in the sense of, you know, maybe what if I got sick or something and couldn't, if everything is like on my shoulders, then the business is in a good place. Well, so that means I got to develop my leadership team. That's a great, like, that's a sellable thing, you know, from an acquisition standpoint perspective, but it's also a healthy business practice to have like diversified leadership and go back to core values and how we run the business. And this whole approach for the process of, you know, maintaining and growing our business. Mm -hmm. So that, that's another caveat I say uh, in there is a healthy business is a sellable business is a good business for, for the entrepreneur. Yeah. And as far as the type of businesses that can be sold or people should be looking like it's uh, in the cards. I mean, I know I've heard Rob Walling say tiny seed is interested in uh, seven figure SaaS businesses. Um, did, you know, so like a small plug-in shop, might not be, you know, if you're making like five, 10 grand a month off of some plugins or something might not be the right fit, but I, you know, at least for tiny seed, but what did, um, what did Mike say 
about the businesses that they were looking to acquire? They're looking for WordPress plugins and SaaS based stuff kind of in the WordPress realm. But I would say like, even for the person that has a one man, two man shop person shop or an agency, you go, Oh, I can't, it's, it's an agency at all based on me. Well, just look at WordPress. There's really a lot of examples. It might not look like a cash, you know, full cash payout type thing, but you know, 10 up has um, acquired kind of a different kind of acquisition, but acquire, I, I don't know the details of those, but you know, uh, my friends at, um, shoot, I can't remember the name of their company, but anyway, Lyft. they're now, huh? Lyft. Lyft. Yeah. yeah. They acqui hired Lyft. Yep. More agency like, but you know, now they're from all accounts I can see really happy at 10 up. Um, Corey Ashton, her business, uh, I'll, I'll think of the name later, but in San Antonio, um, she got, you know, acquired by a VC firm. So the, you don't ever scratch something off. Just it, now it needs to match with what you want. Do you want to just exit? Do you want to get cash and leave and stuff? But you know, there, there's a variety of ways, but yeah, web ventures is looking for acquisitions, but I, you know, a lot of times they still need and want team part of that. Um, liquid web was really, really upfront with us that they wanted, you know, they wanted the entire team. They didn't want to just acquire customers and product. They wanted, needed team and that included me um I, I probably left a little earlier uh than they hoped uh, and i'm just guessing um but but uh they they made it they always made it very clear that they wanted me part of the package um and not just for short term they wanted me you know long term and that was a good feeling and and they proved it by their actions and i'd already always thought to my mind myself and I kind of still believe it founder is expendable right. <laughs> um, you know I still I still believe that even though they were incredible to me and of course wanted me to stay and and uh, you know the year I was there to kind of transition team and get everything good before I felt good enough to leave um, I still kind of felt like okay yeah they probably don't need me after a certain point um, right. <laughs> yeah are there, so did Mike mention uh, certain types of revenue that they're looking for or are they open to just like any type of business? I think any, any type kind of in those categories of plugin, um, he mentioned specifically security. They were looking for some kind of security thing, which that's, that's a hot topic within WordPress. Of course um, they're, they're funded by one of the founders of InMotion hosting that set aside the 5 million and um, they got an interesting setup and that's just one of a couple I know within WordPress, particularly mm -hmm. um, looking to invest, acquire all that kind of stuff. Right. Yeah. And I paid attention to that because it affected me, you know, every time, you know, when automatic got their big round and now they just got another round, you know, I, I paid attention to those things cause they affect our business and there's, that shows kind of the uh, maturity of WordPress. I think is one a lot of, money is very interested in WordPress. The big money people are very interested in WordPress. Uh, and that opens up some opportunities that didn't exist for WordPress entrepreneurs. Yeah. I, it's interesting. There's even companies like Gatsby, which is, uh, they're, they're funded and open source, uh, you know, react app framework, static site framework, and they're very interested in the WordPress space. And there's another company frontity, which is making a, another JavaScript based app for in WordPress integration. They're also funded. Um, it just, it seems like 
money is just everywhere these days and it's especially getting uh you know automatic got their big huge investment um i don't know what that means for you know this this kind of smaller indie shops i've, I've had some conversations with brian Krogsgard and matt medeiros and you know there's some there's some uh I, I don't know i don't know the right word for it but things have definitely changed for like the indie developers and the small plugin shops and things like that and there's a lot of money but it seems like there's also just big companies that are kind of absorbing it all yeah um big time consolidation yeah. It's, it's kind of the consolidation is kind of the move. If you fast forward things and go, what would I do? Or, you know, what makes kind of sense in any industry? And you go, you know, consolidation. Uh, so we're seeing a lot of that. And that was kind of the primer to um, us going, okay, it might be time. Instead of getting ran over, we might join up. Um, so I, I definitely think, but back to like gasping and other things real quick. What's really interesting to me too is not being so set and going, these are the only ways something happens. Um, I've seen some really creative business models and setups. Um, I don't know all the nuances of Gatsby, but like I've seen some really interesting models where they go, I don't want VC money. I don't want private equity. And I've found a way to kind of build that in a, I don't know. It's just, there's things popping up, particularly in technology that are saying like, you don't have to do it this way because it's always done this way. And I think investors too might be more open to understanding like this technology is going to take off and we just want to be a part of it somehow. But again, I'm not an investor, VC or private equity person, but uh, it just feels like what I've seen. It's just, it's interesting to see like it doesn't have to be done the way it's always been done. Funny. Yeah, I, I agree. I, um, there's a company like Ionic um, who makes a, a a framework, a, a UI framework, and they do mobile apps and hybrid apps and stuff like that. They, I think, took some seed money, but they are not a traditional funded in the traditional VC way where I, like, I don't think they have a board. I don't think the investors really have any say or anything. Um, and they're just kind of growing profitably and, um, you know, they're remotely based. Nobody's in Silicon Valley and they're just like doing really well. And I've, I've heard that same type of sentiment from other companies. Um, and that certainly is preferable to me, the, the sort of bootstrap mentality, even if you take some seed money or whatever it is, uh, like tiny seed has that kind of ethos as well. It's, you know, it, we're going to give you some money, but we're not going to be like pulling strings and expecting you to have like unicorn hundred X growth. It's like, let's make a profitable business and let's all be happy with the way things are going. And, uh, I really, I really like that model. And uh, I would never want to take, like, give 30% of my company to some just VC right. that's expecting me to be a unicorn and is pushing me to just, like, pivot if I'm not growing 10x every year or whatever. I don't know. Well, you know, you hear the sentiment so much that, like, the VCs all go, we invest in good people. Like, good people are our metric kind of thing. And you're like, okay, well, I'm, as an entrepreneur, I'm going to have the same perspective. If you're not good people, <laughs> I don't want your money. Yeah. And I love that people like Rob Walling, who I've met and talked to and know his wife better than him. But, uh, you know, I, I, I go, that's quality. Like being around a guy like Rob, who is an entrepreneur, um, serial entrepreneur, had exits, done different, you know, runs conferences all about, you know, solopreneur, company of one type, type people. I'm like, <laughs> yeah, I think that's power too. I like that power for entrepreneurs to be able to go, if you're not good people, I don't want, I don't want your money. Keep, keep your money. Uh, I'm going to go to with people that are like good people get me and are in it for the right 
like, you know, aligned reasons. Yeah. And, and I definitely don't like the mentality of, I have a business idea. I need to go get somebody to give me some money. Like I, I would much rather be like, let, let me give this a shot myself for a while, see how it goes. And then if it's like going great and some money would 10 X my growth and it can't happen any other way, then cool, let's do that. Um, so, I mean, what type of businesses do you think should be looking for funding or, or acquisition or. I so I guess from my, my own personal experiences going, okay, it's, it's the big, big money was coming into the space and playing it out fast forward, forwarding the movie and going, okay, yeah, GoDaddy had acquired two of the biggest competitors, two competitors of ours. Uh, it was only a matter of time before, you know, others were going to do that too. And playing it out and going, okay, you know, it's time. We need to, to figure this out. Um, I, you go, it goes back to the entrepreneur, you know, are you burnt out? You know, are you ready to do something different? Um, I would still say before you just jump into the acquisition game, go, is there a way for you to build up a leadership team to free up your time so that you can go pursue things like you're doing right now? You, you have an opportunity kind of like your business is going well. And you can kind of do other things with a little bit of time, you know, on the side, you know, you've got a big family bucket there that you're on your road trip, but also like do the podcast and do um, the different ventures and just experiment. And I think, cause I know how hard it is to start a new business. So that, that would be my first advice. If somebody asked me from an entrepreneur perspective is before you, I know how hard it is to get off the runway and get into altitude, but when you get altitude, is there someone that could step into the pilot seat and allow you to go, you know, explore other things that keep your interest. And I talked about, you know, um, for me five years in, it was, I had that feeling I was getting antsy. I was itchy. I was a little bit bored, disinterested. And what we chose to do was to, to uh, innovate within the business. And for me, that meant, three new projects. Now that was a lot at the time, but three new projects that I go one, I think it's for our future. We need to have these, but also it's something that interests me, keeps me interested in the business. So that's the first thing. If you're not burnt out or just see some kind of something happening within the market uh, and technology is so disruptive in a good way, um, but it disrupts good businesses too. And so I think keeping an eye on those things. So that's the first thing. Um, and then beyond that is just making sure you're ready. I mean, that comes down to, I think we are a lot of times like passionate about what we're doing and one day oh, wake up and go, oh gosh, I've got 10 people. You know, I've heard that over and over and over. Uh, some, they wake up because, you know, one day and go, how did I get here? <laughs> I was chasing my passion and it became this enterprise. Um, so, you know, those kind of checks I think are, are, are vital. Cool. Uh, we've had a great conversation so far. Is there anything we haven't covered that's interesting to you that you think we should talk about? I think one thing probably where I was going there and lost my train of thought for a second was uh, <laughs> getting your financial house in order. That's what I was going to. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we kind of run it like we do some of our financial lives. We're like, we're making more than we're spending. We're doing good. Um, you know, about three years into it, we hit like, you know, the, million dollar mark and go, okay, probably need to grow this thing up and be mature about certain things. In, in retrospect, uh, I wish we had kind of put that on like hyperdrive and going, let's get really serious about minding our, our profit, our EBITDA. Um, a lot of, you know, acquisition um, 
targets will say the value of business by EBITDA and uh, minding that net profit. I had taken my eyes off the net profit a little bit and just the top line, but man, the bottom line needs to be as much in the conversation as the top, but you know, you want to grow, but you also want to make sure like one, is this thing a cash, like a good profitable business? Is it spitting out cash or you retain it, whatever it is, but is it a profitable business? That's a sellable business. And that's better for an entrepreneur because you can put more money into the business if you want or side stuff or whatever it is, or take it all out. Yeah. Um, we retained earnings over the years because I wanted to have a nest egg to like do new projects. And if something happened, but um, that's a, that's a good thing. And you can do that by minding that financial bottom line. And the key would be, if you're not able to hire a uh, full-time CFO, if you're not in that space, and we, we weren't, is to find a CFO for hire. And I'm talking to some people, I want to get some good names to at least refer to. Um, but we, get, we hired a CFO for hire and for two years helped us kind of get professional about what we're doing. You need all that if you're going to potentially be acquired because they're going to want a clean P&L, which means you're not running your entire life through the business. Um, that you have some, if you have multiple products, a good cost division where things are like, those things are good for an entrepreneur to know. That's yeah. like indicators on the dashboard. Okay, this product, you know, we did that and it was like, holy cow, that is just losing money. And we just felt we had a little passion for it. And we're like, oh, it's probably doing better. Well, that's what we're thinking when you look at a P&L and go, it's not. It's <laughs> leading money. Yeah. Uh, so that's the last thing is getting your house in order. Financial is first, I think, but also legally and then team wise, making sure, you know, you kind of have those in place and in a good, healthy position. Yeah. And that kind of stuff can take a long time. I mean, it could take you a year to get yeah. the right bank accounts moved around and like the right accountant and clean everything up. And that would be, you wouldn't even want to show, start talking to somebody and show them your books until after that stuff was already done. Right. Yeah. And maybe for your audience too, here's a nuance that I hadn't thought about because we weren't set up this way. But if you're, if you started out being like freelancing or consulting, doing services, and then you add on product and the product's starting to take off, you probably have those under the same LLC and even uh, uh, P&L. Well, business might not be interested in the consulting work. They might be interested in the product, vice versa, or whatever. You want those kind of separated out, you know, at least in a clear picture to go, this is what we're buying. And there's IP and things like that that might be involved. And, uh, you know, that I know my, my friend Sayed does, does that really well. Clearly with his, you know, properties, it's got, you know, separation. And that's a really good thing. I've always admired that. Uh, we just didn't need it because we just had one thing that was just products. Mm -hmm. But uh, that's a caveat I thought I'd mention too. Did it, did it matter the company structure you had like LLC, S Corp, C Corp? Did they care? Not for us. Okay. Uh, I've always heard C, you should do C Corp or whatever. Cause it's easier, but I don't, so it I don't if, that matters. So companies too, particularly in the products will go, okay, one option that might be better. You know, there's a good book. I'm, I'll think about it in just a second and send it to you so you can put it in the show notes. But, um, you know, are they acquiring the business, meaning the company structure? Do they just want IP, products and IP, customer lists, things like that? Those are nuanced conversations. I couldn't say like it's going to happen this way, but it could happen in a variety of those ways. Or like the aqua hire, they just want, they just want team. Mm -hmm. Okay, well, so what happens to LLC or business structure legally, financially, all that stuff? Like if they just want an aqua hire, how does that work? I haven't been to an aqua hire, so I can't say. But, um, you know, if I were doing that, I'd go, I just want people. I don't want liability. So, 
you know, with a business entity becomes some certain amount of liability with it. Um, you know, like, did you file taxes right? Did you file payroll yeah. right? Um, is there pending lit, uh, litigation, you know, mm-hmm. that a company, if I were, I'll just speak as myself, if I were acquiring would come into play, like what potential liabilities we have with the company versus just get, buying an I, IP or, you know, and customer base and stuff like that. So it's kind of nuanced, but just having the view of going, okay, how to first, what do I want? You know, do I want to have a job? You know, do I want to sell and then still have a job afterwards? Uh, do, do I want cash? How does that work for me? And then making sure you're clearing your head about what you want. And then when they go, well, we just want this or this, then you kind of have a way to go. Okay. Well, if you just want this, here's, here's what I want, you know, just having those in, I think is better. Knowing what you want is key. Yep. Awesome. Well, I think we've covered a lot of ground and it's been a great conversation. I know that you are creating some more materials around this kind of stuff. Uh, where can people find that? Yeah. So right now go to coreymiller.com. Um, and I'm going to be, if you sign up for my email list, I'm going to be sharing that. Uh, probably in the next couple of weeks. I just want to share some mistakes or just approach about how to think about, you know, some things. And I've covered some of the highlights here, but I want to go a little bit more in depth and make suggestions and things like that. So coreymiller.com and sign up for my email newsletter and you'll get, you'll get notified when that rolls out. Great. Hey, thanks so much for being on Corey. Thanks brother.